worried should we be about this latest strain of Omicron that's begun to really spread in the United States? It's the one that they've nicknamed the Kraken. And right now it accounts for about 40% of U.S. COVID cases. And that has doubled in about a week. So we're hearing a lot about this. We heard Dr. Bonnie Henry on the news yesterday talking about it as well. So we thought, let's dig into what's going on with this one. So joining us now is Dr. Isaac Bagosh, an infectious disease specialist at Toronto General Hospital. Thanks for being with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure, Cindy. So do you think we should worry about this? Uh, I mean, obviously, we've got to watch it. And obviously, we have to acknowledge that it's spreading, that it's here. Uh, but, you know, and at the end of the day, too, it's it's a bit more of the same, right? We've had this multiple times before. We had, you know, an alpha wave. We had a wave of the Delta variant. We had a initial Omicron wave. We've had two subsequent Omicron waves. And, and this is yet another sub-lineage of Omicron. So, you know, obviously something to be aware of, something to be mindful of, but uh, nothing that we haven't dealt with before. Has anything changed in terms of symptoms and how this illness affects people with these different variants? Uh, You know, it's important to keep an open mind uh, because we have seen some variants uh, more, what we would say is virulent, meaning causing more significant illness than others. For example, the uh, spring of 2021 alpha variant, that that packed a a punch. But we know that any strain of COVID-19, regardless, can, can still cause harm. And, you know, there might be relative potency, for lack of a better word, between strains, but any of them can can cause harm. And, you know, I think it's still too soon to know exactly the degree of illness or the extent of illness that this particular sublineage of Omicron can cause versus others. Having said that, I mean, let's just bring it back down to planet Earth. We have vaccines, we have boosters available, we can reduce our risk by putting on a mask in an indoor setting. I mean, there's, it's the same steps we can take to uh, you know, reduce the impact of this virus on at an individual level and, of course, at a, at a community level as well. Right. Okay. So what are you seeing in terms of the impact this is having, you know, in Ontario? Well, quite frankly, not not a ton, but it might be premature. And I'm always cautious about what walks in the front door or what comes in the front door of an individual hospital and then looking at, you know, province-wide and then countrywide and, then of course, global data. Uh, because we know how, you know, this, this can certainly take off in one region uh, and it doesn't take off for, uh, you know, a while, you know, sometimes measured in days, weeks, even a couple of months in other parts of the world. Like we've seen this expand, for example, in the Northeast United States. And now this uh, particular sublineage of Omicron makes up over 50% of the cases and it's about 20% of the cases in the United States. Of course, it's here in Canada. Uh, but quite frankly, I'm still waiting to see some updated Canadian data uh, to see how much of this is in Canada and the extent to which it's expanded in Canada. Of course, it's here. It's just not clear how much. And uh, it would be very helpful to see some updated data on Canadian COVID rates and hospitalization rates. But listen, I mean, listen, to no one's surprise, we might see a rise in cases in the new year. We saw it exactly the same time last year and exact same time the year before, largely driven by, you know, some variants and a lot of indoor gatherings over the course of the uh, holiday season. So there is certainly a seasonal variability, and this might further drive a rise in cases. Right, but you made a good point there, though. Is there not enough data? I know this is something we've complained about in BC, that we don't get enough information about what's going on with COVID. Well, I, I think there will be. It's just a matter of, you know, updating uh, databases and, uh, and publicly uh, 
the, uh, the the dashboards that we see. I think uh, you know, everyone deserves a break, but of course the virus doesn't take a break. So we'll see a lot of those updates this week, uh, especially the Canadian data updated this week in terms of hospitalizations and percentage of tests that are positive, and number of tests that were performed. Like We'll, we'll, we'll get a, an update probably in uh, the next couple of days, and I think that will shed some light as to how we're doing at a country level. Um, in Ontario, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I've worked uh, a fair bit over the last uh, couple of weeks. And yeah, I mean, COVID's still here. We still have people coming in with COVID-related illnesses into the hospital. And, you know, it's not exclusively, but it's primarily people who are more vulnerable. It's people who are on the older end of the spectrum, almost exclusively over the age of 60, uh, and, and occasionally people who might be younger than that, but who have underlying medical conditions that put them at greater risk for, for more severe infection. Is there something that you wish the public were doing here? Is there something, should we be doing more of something to protect ourselves? Well, it starts with sound communication from senior political and public health leadership. Just, you know, just calling it how it is, stating that, you know, COVID's still around and there's going to be times where there's more COVID out there and there's going to be times where there's less COVID out there. And, you know, in the absence of uh, public health mandates, just letting people know how they can protect themselves and those around them. So, really encouraging and lowering barriers to booster vaccines, especially for more vulnerable individuals. Uh, and, and by lowering barriers, I mean, you know, getting pop-up vaccine clinics into uh, neighborhoods that might be under-vaccinated and, and uh, communities that under va- are under-vaccinated, and really encouraging people to put masks on and lowering barriers to mask use in settings where we know that COVID is transmitted, crowded, indoor venues. You know, that could be simple as good quality messaging, uh, community outreach, putting masks at the front of, uh, you know, malls or community centers or athletic facilities as well. And again, right. these are things that can lower the burden, but not eliminate the burden of COVID. It really seems like after, you know, three years or so, are, are, would you say, are we learning to live with this thing now? Yeah, to some extent. On the other hand, like that means different things to different people, right? right? We're still seeing, uh, I would say, an unacceptable number of, of deaths. Uh, you know, obviously, listen, this is not going to be a cakewalk. Everyone's going to come out of this and everyone on earth is going to come out of this with bumps and bruises along the way. But the, the point is to mitigate that as much as much as possible while balancing that with enabling people to you know, live live their life, but but creating safer indoor environments. So, yeah, I mean, we are learning to live with it, but that that, you know, I think there's some degree of debate as to what exactly that means and what's acceptable versus what isn't. Right. Well, Dr. Bagosh, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Have a great day.